Thank you. I am indeed uh, very uh, happy to be here today. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of introduction of where I'm at as far as my life and ministry goes, and then we'll get into the heart of our message. Um, my name is Andrew Gomison, and I um, know a, f a few people that go to this school personally. I'm very close friends with the Roloffs family, and so that's how I got uh, to know about the Potter's House, and um, just started talking to Mrs. Roloffs about wanting to do some more volunteer work and broaden my horizons because I've been kind of looking for work for quite a while. Um, and full-time work since I graduated from college about five years ago. And uh, But one of the things the Lord has done in my life is He's led me to begin speaking, and I've started a ministry um, called Speaking for Him, and uh, my website is speakingforhim.com, and if you ever want to go there and uh, listen to some other audio that I have, um, this message that I'm doing today will actually be up on the site possibly even later today. Uh, so if you want to go back to it for future reference or hear any more audio, including some radio work that I've been doing with WJQ out of Holland, you can do that. Um, I would just encourage you to pray for me as I continue to seek the Lord um, and ask Him to grow my ministry. And I'm hoping to eventually be um, preaching full-time, but in the in the meantime, I'm looking for uh, part-time or full-time work to supplement um, my income, and I just ask for prayers in that regard. Um, today, um, I was told that your theme this month is about hope. So today we will be looking at um, Judges chapter 6, and we will be looking at a young man by the name of Gideon. And the title of my message today is Gideon unlikely hope of Israel. And we'll get into that in just a moment, but let's open in a word of prayer first. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the honor of being able to come um, to you and to spend some time in your word. And how precious that is, Lord. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us to realize that there are people around the world who would give anything to be able to freely meet in your name and help us to pray for those who are persecuted. Lord, we also would pray that you would just bless your word to us, that you would show us what you have for us, and that we would leave this room changed people different from when we came in because your word is truth. And if we follow it, we will be in the truth. And Lord, I thank you for the great potential that is represented in this room. I thank you that you're raising up these godly young men and women, and I pray that they would continue on a course that would lead them to doing your will for their lives. And that if they haven't met you, Lord, that today's message would encourage them to develop that personal relationship that we all so desperately need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about Gideon. Now Gideon is, um, in many people's minds, at least as far as the world's concerned, Gideon would can be considered one of the last people that you would think of as a hero. Because he was um, the youngest member of the youngest tribe in Israel. 
usually when we think about about heroes or we think about sports stars or or any of those things that are prominent we think of people that are are good looking they're um maybe they're tall athletic you know they have something going for them that the world says this person is someone that I would want on my side someone that I would want leading me and so that's why they're picked but God's economy is not our economy God's economy is different and I'm just going to read the first point I want to talk about is the call of Gideon the call of Gideon the, the time when the Lord called to Gideon and said this is my task for you so I'm reading right now in Judges chapter 6 you can look it up in your Bibles later because um, that's another thing I want to encourage you that what I have to say is not very important but what God has to say is very important and I challenge you to look at the scriptures to search the scriptures to see if the things that I am saying are accurate biblically because anything that isn't you should throw out but if God is speaking to you today through what I have to say I encourage you to act on it because we are encouraged to be doers of the word and not hearers only that being said I will begin reading um, in Judges chapter 6 verse 11 it says and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash the Abizraelite and his son Gideon threshed we in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor and Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Judges, but one thing to understand about the book of Judges is that it's a book of second and third and fourth and fifth chances. The people of Israel, the nation of Israel, had been led out of Egypt. We read about that in Exodus. And two weeks after they get led out of Egypt, they start complaining and griping against the Lord and saying, I wish we were in Egypt because at least when we were in Egypt we got to eat. And now we're starving. But they complained to Moses instead of to God. And over and over again, through the, for through the next few books, God would say, I am the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt. And I'm going to give you what I promised you. And this was a continuous thing. That God would say to the people of Israel, I have given you this promise, now follow me. And you would think, or at least I would think on a human level, that if I had been through the, the ten plagues, if I had been through all the things that the people of Israel had been through, 
Why would I ever doubt God? Because there were so many awesome and wonderful and powerful things that He did for me and my people. That's how I would have would have processed it, how I would have thought of it. And, you know, on a human level, that's what I would think. But over and over, the people of Israel rejected God. And when they rejected God, He sent people to capture them and to oppress them because He wanted them to get to the point where they realized, I need you, God. I can't do it on my own. And so this is the situation that we find the Israelites in once again with Gideon. And God doesn't go to the most powerful physically. He doesn't go to the one that that most people will look at. He goes to a man who is the youngest, the least. And a man who is not only the youngest and the least, but one who is hiding from the enemy. He's threshing wheat in a wine press because he doesn't want the Midianites to find it and take it. Because he's afraid. And yet God says to him, this is one of my main points I want to bring out to you first, God says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So the first point that I want to make to you guys this morning is this. God does not look at you based on what you are right now. He looks at you based on who you can be if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And how is that possible? It's possible because 2,000 years ago, the Son of God stepped into the body of a human, became fully human despite being fully God, and decided that He would live a human life so that He could understand what it was like to be you and me. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that Jesus Himself was a teenager? He knows what it's like to go through um, all of the physical changes that you're going through right now. And all of the temptations that you're facing right now are temptations that Jesus Himself faced. But He did it with one marked difference. He did it without sin. And then at the end of His life, He stretched forth His hands. And He stretched forth His feet. And Roman soldiers drove nails into his hands and to his feet. Why? Because he did something wrong? No. But because we did. Because it was imperative that one man die for the sins of the people. You realize even Caiaphas, who was putting Jesus on trial, realized that that the prophecy said that one man would die for the sake of the people. But he totally missed who Jesus was and he just wanted to get rid of him because Jesus was was honing in on his territory. He cared more about popularity than he did about trusting Christ. But let's get back to our story. Gideon is the, probably one of the least courageous, at least at this point, you would say he's probably one of the least courageous people that you could read about. And yet God comes to him, and it says, the angel of the Lord, and you know, 
there's another portion shortly after this part where Gideon brings an offering and the angel of the Lord allows him to sacrifice this offering and give him this food offering and he takes it willingly. And that to me tells me that that is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So not only is he dealing with an angel, he's dealing with the head of the angels, the one that the angels would worship and hail on the day of his birth. So Gideon is faced with this. Even though he feels weak, even though he's the youngest, even though he's the weakest, God is saying, I'm going to be with you and you will smite the Midianites as one man. Well, as you can imagine, Gideon was kind of freaked out by this. He didn't really know what to do. Didn't really feel equipped. And so he asks God if he will allow him to do a test. Now, I don't necessarily recommend this. However, I'm glad that God knows where we are and He allows us to go through the things that we need to go through and to ask the questions that we need to ask. So let's continue reading in Judges chapter 6. And we see, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then I shall know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece and wringed the dew out of the fleece in a bowl full of water. And Gideon said to the Lord, Let not thine angry be anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it be dry only upon the fleece, and upon the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on the ground. So God, even though God could have said, you don't need this, I told you what I told you, and you just need to believe it, He knew where Gideon was. He knew Gideon needed his faith strengthened, and so He allowed Himself to be put to the test. And I know sometimes for myself, sometimes I wonder, is God really there? Is He really in control of what's happening to me? And God has been so gracious to deal with my doubts and to meet me where I'm at. And I want to encourage you, God is willing to meet you where you're at. He doesn't expect you to understand everything in the Bible to come to Him. As a matter of fact, you won't understand much of the Bible until you do come to Him. The Bible says that the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Those who have not met the Lord will look at the Bible and they'll say, it's just a bunch of words, I don't understand it. But when you come to the Lord with a humble and earnest heart, He will come in and He will open your life. And He will make the Word real to you. Because the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and guides us into all truth. So, moving on to our third point. Gideon now has to prepare. So he calls the, the people of Israel, the men of Israel, and says we need to go fight the Midianites. And there's 33,000 men. 
that come out. And God says, it's too many. Let's read about that and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It says, And the Lord said to Gideon, this is in Judges chapter 7, starting in verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let them return and depart from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty-two thousand. And there remain ten thousand. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are yet too many. But bring them down to the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of them whom I say unto thee, These shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, These shall not go with thee, the same shall not go with thee. So we see God's, God's uh, instructions to Gideon was very specific and we continue on so he brought the people onto the water and the Lord said unto Gideon everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth him shalt thou set by himself likewise everyone that boweth down to his knees to drink and the number of them that lapped the number of them that lapped putting their hand to their mouth were three hundred men but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites unto thine hand and let all the other people go to their place. So now Gideon started with thirty-two thousand. We don't know the number of the many nights, but if you look earlier in that chapter, in chapter 6, in the first few verses, which I didn't read to you, you'll find that the Midianites are mentioned as being numerous as the grasshoppers. So this is a lot of people. This is not some little group. And so the question comes up, well, we'll, we'll, problem we, you know, we'll need as many people as we can to beat these guys. But it's quite possible that even 32,000 men was minuscule compared to the Midianites. But even if that was the case, God said, if you guys go to war with these 32, 33,000 men, then you're going to take the credit. You're going to say, look how great we are. And so, I need to whittle this army down to size. Because if... And he said the same thing about 10,000. He said, you have too many. But when they got down to 300, he said, that's just about right. Because when people tell this story, the only answer they'll be able to give for how it was successful is because I did it. God doesn't want to share His glory with anyone else. 
But you know, that, that's not a prideful thing for God because God deserves every bit of glory that He receives. You know, if you, if you create something in art class, let's just say, it's your property. You can do with it whatever you want. And if somebody were to steal your art or your writing or whatever it would be, there are ways that we can um, legally get our material back. Because it's not somebody else's right to use it. So why do we, as the creations of the Almighty God, believe that we have a right to decide over that of our Creator what we're supposed to do? Could it be possible that the God who created you knows what He wants you to do, knows what He made you for, and thus has something to say about it? And as, and as I say this, I'm saying it to myself too. I want you to know that. Because I struggle with this myself. I sometimes say, but God, I had this all figured out. And then, and then you messed it up. But what he says to me is, Andrew, I had it figured out from the foundations of time. You're the one that occasionally messes it up. And that's humbling, but it's true. So I want to encourage you to believe God. To believe that since He created you, He has a purpose for you. And Gideon didn't think he was usable either. But you know what? That's kind of a prerequisite. There were some people in Jesus' day who thought they were pretty usable. They knew the Old Testament Scriptures backwards and forwards. They could quote the words to you, but they didn't understand what they meant. These were the Pharisees. Jesus said, I'm come to call sinners to repentance. I can't call the righteous to repentance. And I used to think, well, that just means that the righteous don't need repentance. And yes, I mean, I guess that's true, but the Bible says no man is righteous. And so what Jesus is really saying is, as long as you think you're righteous, I can't help you. As long as you think you're well, you won't go to the doctor. But when you know you're sick, you go to the doctor. And today I'm saying to you, if you know that you're a sinner, if you know that you fall short of God's glory, then where does that leave you? It means that you need a Savior. And fortunately for us, there is a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He knows you by name. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. So let's, let's look at this last point, God's victory. You notice the other three points were about Gideon. And Gideon working through his humanity. And dealing with his humanity. And finally coming to the end and realizing, hey, the only way we're going to win this is if God does it. And Gideon was still a little bit doubtful, so God gives him another sign that he's going to be with him. Let's read in the, the, the um, Judges chapter 7, verses 13 to 21 real quick. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into the tent and smote it, that it fell and overturned it. Then the tent lay along. 
And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand God had delivered Midian and all the hosts. And it was so that when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise! For the Lord had delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies. And he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pictures and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp. And say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers which were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right and blew with all and they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. I just want to let that sink in for a minute because if you realize not a single Israelite lifted a hand against one of the Midianites. They didn't have swords. They didn't fight in fierce to fear fierce hand to hand combat. This is very similar to what God did with Moses and the Egyptians. And I can't help but think about what Moses said to the Israelites at that point when they were standing by the Red Sea and they were afraid and they said, why did you leave us that lead us out here to die? Now we're goners. Totally disregarding what God had done with the ten plagues. And what is it that Moses said? He didn't say, let's hurry, let's hurry, let's see if we can swim across. He said, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. I, I want to encourage you. The Lord fought for you. He fought the very hosts of heaven. All right, the, very, the very hosts of hell. Fought against the very hosts of heaven. And the King of Heaven laid down His life. And not only did He lay down His life and physically suffer, but the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Son of God who had done nothing wrong. 
Never. Even if you and I aspired to our best and we only did one sin every day. Over 13, 14 years or however old you are, my uh, my friends, that still adds up. But he took every sin that had been committed at that point, every sin that would be committed in the future. And when he hung on that cross, he was thinking of each of you by name. He prayed for you before he died. Did you know that? Because he prayed for his followers, his twelve. And then he said, I, I pray not only for these, but also for those who will in the future be won by the words of these men. And so he was praying for you. And he was praying for me. And just like there was nothing Gideon could do to beat the Midianites. There's nothing you or I can do to defeat sin. But the good news is there's nothing we have to do because it's done. Jesus said when He was on the cross three of the best words that have ever been spoken. It is finished. It's finished. There's nothing more that need be done. The only thing you have to do is accept it. And I want to finish with this challenge. First of all, you, you saw in Gideon's life that this was somebody that was practically useless, at least in his own mind. But because he allowed God to use him, God made him a hero. In God's economy, you might not be a hero. Or in, in, in your friend's economy, you might not be a hero. But if you serve and honor God, you can be a hero in His economy. And all the awards, the accolades, everything you could possibly get in this life will be gone when you die. But the treasures that you lay up by serving the Lord, those are the ones that will last. And I just want to encourage you with that. I want you to know that God is in the useless people business. He takes useless people and He uses them. He takes people that have made horrendous mistakes and He changes their lives. He did that for me. I was born three months early. Because of that, I, 
I'm in this wheelchair. When I was five years old, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I'd like to say that that was the beginning of some really great times and that I never struggled after that, but uh, that would be a lie. For the first nine years after I was saved, I, I, I was mad at God because I said, God, why did you put me in this wheelchair? If you had just given me a healthy body, then I, I could do so much more for you. And even today, sometimes I struggle because I, I want to do things like I want to be working and be able to provide and have a wife and a family. These are things that I'm praying about. And sometimes it's discouraging that it's taking me as long as it has to, to get all these things that I want. But I, I keep remembering what Jesus said when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Now, you might not be called to go against a, a mighty people group like the Midianites. But we all have challenges in our lives. And sometimes God calls us to action like He called Gideon. He called Gideon to go. But when push came to shove, when the rubber met the road, what happened? I want to remind you of this last verse I read. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. They weren't running around. They weren't grabbing people. They stood in place. And the enemy fled before them. And... My friends, we have enemies today because they, there are so many people that don't want to believe that the truth of the Bible is absolute. So many people that don't want to listen. But if we stand for what's right, and we stand still, then God can work in our lives. And just as God called Gideon, a mighty man of valor. He is calling each of you young men to be mighty men of valor. He's calling you to begin now the process of becoming godly leaders so that when you have families, you'll be able to lead them in the way that God calls you to. He's calling you young women to be women of virtue because these men of valor are going to need women of virtue to help them in their calling. And the process of this starts now. It doesn't start later. Not some magical time when you're 18. It starts now. I'm really encouraged to see you all here today. And I hope that you will take everything I've said to heart. Most importantly, I hope that today will not end before you make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. Because He loves you. He died for you. And He wants to use you above and beyond your wildest expectations. Thank you very much.